30 years ago, a massive Exxon Valdez oil tanker spilled nearly 11 million gallons of oil into the pristine Prince William Sound, just off Alaska's coast. It was the worst oil spill in the history of the United States. Local ecosystems were devastated, hundreds of thousands of birds and fish were killed, and the corporation was hit with more than half a billion dollars in liabilities. The devastating news of the oil spill also struck a chord with a small group of investors who knew there had to be a better way of doing business. So they began to mobilize as a coalition, initially named as the Coalition for Environmentally Responsible Economies, which later became known as Ceres. We started in 1989, and the mission was to integrate sustainability into capital markets, to make sure that companies and investors were using systematized approaches to address things like water shortages and climate change and equity, but how to build it into our capital markets. And we found one thing very clear. There was not a lot of information, data, or even philosophical groundwork for how to do that. Mindy Luber is the CEO and president of Sirius. And as a well-known global thought leader on climate change, she has inspired capital market leaders and corporate boards to factor the environmental, social and governance, also known as the ESG practices, into their overall strategies. But the path hasn't always been an easy one. Companies rolled their eyes when you said, tell us about your progress on environmental, social and governance issues. Investors said, we have no idea how to look at those issues. We have no data, no metrics, no framework, no infrastructure. And so the nicest part about this discussion is Ceres, of course, founded GRI. GRI was a project of Ceres. We built it. We designed it. We interviewed and integrated 600 stakeholders from around the world as to what they thought the standard ought to look like, what it ought to be. Um, And we came up with this thing called the GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative, as a mechanism for allowing us to integrate sustainability into capital markets, to make sure that investors and companies had the data, had the information, had the mental muscle to look at the issues and to measure them and manage them. We are now in the decade of action, and here we'll talk with companies and experts from all over the world about how they're taking actions on the SDGs. To learn from each other about the challenges, opportunities, and solutions on the road towards 2030. From the GRI, this is The Rising Tide. Episode on SDG 13, Climate Action. Ceres was a much smaller organization back then. But as they mark the 30th anniversary since the groundbreaking investor response to the Exxon oil spill, the scene has evolved ever since. Now we have, you know, 220 investors in our U.S. and Canadian network. We've got 600 globally. We work with hundreds of companies. They all know they have to address sustainability because issues like water, like race, like equity, like climate, have a very real financial impact on the viability of a firm. We've got to understand these things better rather than waiting until they're too late. Right now, we're about 
25% short of the amount of water we need to run a world economy in the next five years. What are we doing to get ready for that? Is every business looking at how to limit their water use? Is every financial analyst looking at, well, is that company going to be less profitable because all of their manufacturing systems depend on unlimited water? And the answer is yes. The disruptions to our lives, to our economy, and to our planetary limitations are enormous. And we could either get ready and do what we can to limit those disruptions, or we could have them overtake us and overcome us. And if you just look at reporting, you can't manage what you don't measure. If you don't know what the data is, what the company's impact is, where their liabilities are, where their soft spots are, you can't start managing their water use, their plastics use, their energy use. At that time, the GRI was the only ball game in town. Now there are all kinds of other standard setting models, the ISSB, a bunch of more initials, the Inter International Standard Setting Board. Um, the fact that we are working with the Securities and Exchange Commission in the United States to mandate, not have it voluntary, but to mandate the disclosure of climate risks. There are multiple ways now to look at reporting, but reporting is still as essential as it was the day we built, designed, and launched the GRI. Reporting and tracking progress is essential for the future of the environment, the economy and people, enhancing transparency and increasing corporate accountability. But going forward, a little bit more is required than just the standard setting. We are on a journey to get aligned. So we don't have five different standard setters. We have one or two. Um, and to get the language um, aligned in the climate space, Uh, there's something called the TCFD, the Task Force for Climate Risk Disclosure, where thousands of companies now use that as the standard for disclosing their climate footprint. They can then use some of that for GRI, some of that if it becomes mandatory for the SEC saying you've got a report, uh, but we've got some standard language. We don't have that in every part of our sustainability narrative. Uh, but we're working to get there. And I think GRI has done a good job with a lot of that. One can guess that Sirius has built a network of investors and companies that are focused on improving corporate ESG disclosure and performance, demonstrating that increased ESG performance is directly correlated to a stronger financial performance. And Ms. Luper can confirm this too. In 2004, We hosted our first investor summit on climate risk, invited all the largest investors in the world. Um, they called and said, well, why don't we send our interns? We don't do environmental issues where Goldman Sachs We said, no, these issues have a profound impact on your portfolios. And they did not know what we were talking about. Of course, now every one of the major financial firms do nothing but put out reports on the financial implications of climate. If you look at the implications of water risk and what it means to a company, will they be successful if there are 20 floods and they lose their cotton crop, which may turn into a loss of 5% of their shareholder value? Those are board issues. Boards are delegated. You know, their responsibility is to manage risk. Um, and we have tried to create these subject matters in a way that they're seen for what they are which are literally fiduciary issues about the risk to the company and the opportunities for moving forward. 
We, want, we run a corporate board training program with the University of Berkeley Law School. We have more corporate board members attending and wanting to know how to better address the risk. So the world has changed. It's changed radically, not nearly enough. If there were enough, we wouldn't be worrying about the sustainability development goals, but we are. Um, but we need to build all the tools we possibly can to make sure the key capital market players understand what are the implications if in fact we deal with or we don't deal with the profoundly important issues amongst those in the sustainable development goals. Ceres was born out of a crisis and had the confidence to say that consistent information was missing in order to address environmental risks. GRI's roots line Series 2, for the organization was founded following public outcry over the oil spill. Decades of hard work on the part of GRI has shown that sustainability reporting frameworks and standards help shine light on the contribution to sustainable development, as well as identify risk and opportunities. Not only do they provide the tools necessary to measure corporate performance on the environmental, social and governance issues, but to act on them too. This is doable. Tesla right now is worth more money than General Motors and Ford put together. I mean, that was a little upstart company. Nobody knew what they were, who they were, what they were doing. We had these gigantic auto companies. Now that little upstart is bigger than the gigantic auto companies because they had a vision, which was there is going to be a climate crisis. We don't want combustion engine vehicles using a lot of dirty gas. Um, and oil, let's create an electric vehicle. And now electric vehicles are be you can't put enough of them on the market. We're seeing more and more examples of companies that are finding the opportunities and getting ahead of their competition. And so it's not only risk that's driving the company changes, it's opportunity as well. So every company needs to be looking at their overall impact on society, the economy, um, and creating goals and doing strategic planning around how the issues focused on in the sustainability goal, development goals of the United Nations impacts their company. In the meantime, large companies need to set short, medium, and long-term goals that are transparent, that are shared with investors and consumers, and that are part of what the company is doing publicly. This strategic planning that Mindy talks about is becoming the standard practice for large companies. An example of this is the Enel Group, the Italian energy company, which has stepped up its investments for a sustainable approach. So when we speak about sustainability, normally we consider four main elements. First of all, the so-called weak signals. So with, through the sustainability, we want to identify what is weak today, but could be material in the next years. And if you manage today something, it's possible that the next, in the next future will be not become material in a negative way. This is Giulia Genoati, Enel Group's Head of Planning and Sustainability and Human Rights Performance Management the right person to talk about sustainability planning at the company. The second element uh, is that uh, we have to consider stakeholder needs. At the center of the, our sustainable business model, we have exactly people and we have to identify correctly their needs because if we know very well their needs and if we know very well the local context where we operate, we can define correct target and we, we can work all together to create value and creation, value creation is exactly the third concept that I would underline to you in the sense that value creation is fundamental. But now 
uh, we work on shared value, value shared creation. So we want to create value and share this value with our stakeholders. The last element is related to the time horizon. When we speak about sustainability, normally we speak about long term, but it's not totally correct. With true sustainability, we add long term to short term and medium term. So it's important that when we speak about sustainability, we consider short term, medium term and long term. They have gone an extra mile to help create a sustainable business model with a truly systemic approach. So we have sustainability inside our strategy. We have a specific sustainability plan that detail all the targets that we have in terms of sustainability, but especially we have a sustainable business model that is linked to our remuneration plan that consider inside specific sustainability target, and it's also linked to financial instruments. So we have the same target in the different parts of our processes. We have the same target in the strategy, in the sustainability plan, in our remuneration plan, in our financial instrument. So we are totally aligned with the purpose that we have to improve in sustainable progress. And putting sustainability front and center requires, as Mindy just described before, the reporting standards, aligned language and corporate governance. If you report correctly, if you collect correctly all the information, you can create the baseline of your work and you can define specific targets that allow you to really progress in terms of sustainability. This is the reason why the name of my unit is not sustainability reporting, but is focused on sustainability planning and performance management. Because sustainability reporting is the starting point and the output of this kind of work. If you haven't a correct sustainability reporting, it's impossible that you have a baseline. But if you don't communicate correctly, through your sustainability reporting, it's absolutely impossible that you guarantee transparency to your stakeholder and to create trust with your stakeholder. So we consider our sustainability report in uh, a rigorous way, uh, in rigorous way and uh, in a serious way. So we have created a strong and robust system because we want to represent the data in really in the correct way. And I think that the GRI helped us so much in this kind of thing. Also, and it's the last part that I think that it's really important. GRI for the first time regulated the so-called materiality matrix. It's absolutely true that the materiality matrix in GRI, in the first version of GRI, was related only for the sustainability reporting. But the concept of materiality matrix introduced and defined in the GRI is absolutely fundamental element to all the process for the sustainability. And we can consider the materiality matrix in an L also. We consider materiality matrix as the navigator for all the information that, that we have in order to create trust and to give to our stakeholder exactly the idea that all the needs that they have are taken into consideration in a proper way. A key concept mentioned by Julia refers to material topics, which account for the most significant impacts on the economy, environment and people, including human rights. The process of determining material topics is linked to organizations' assessment of impacts, including engaging with relevant stakeholders. Such impacts are of primary importance to sustainable development and to organization stakeholders, and they are the focus of sustainability reporting. Consider that uh, many, many years ago, many people decided to define the Esperanto, the single language for all the world. And uh, after some years, uh, they realized that it's impossible to create an Esperanto 
With the sustainability, it's absolutely the same. We have to define a common guidelines, a common sense, but we have to guarantee the different language because we have different contexts. So when we say we have to put in place a, a single language, it's absolutely correct when you speak about measuring, but it's not correct when you speak about sustainability. Sustainability, you have to create a common sense, but not the same language. Because Peru is not the same of Colombia. Colombia is not the same of Italy. Italy is not the same of England. And if I want to guarantee sustainability, the contribution of each country is totally different for the planet. The Rising Tide podcast is co-produced by the TRI and Naranja Media. We want to thank Mindy Looper and Julia Genuati for sharing their time and expertise. We also want to thank the Swedish government for making this podcast series possible. We greatly appreciate their long-standing support for sustainable development work, catalyzing actions towards the SDGs. Thank you for listening. <laughs>